Premier Christian Newscast. Ayan Hirsi Ali, the famous atheist and scourge of Islam, has suddenly announced that she's now become a Christian. Many in the church have reacted with excitement that a prominent anti-religion voice has switched sides, but others have been scornful, noting her article explaining the conversion seems focused on Christianity's role in the culture war and fails to mention Jesus or the cross at all. Why do we end up arguing so much about celebrity conversions like Ali's? Should we be wary of public figures whose embrace of Christianity might have ulterior motives? Are we seeing the first inklings of a broader return to faith by public intellectuals and the final nail being hammered into the coffin of new atheism? I'm Tim Wyatt and this is the Premier Christian Newscast. Today we're joined by evangelist Andy Bannister and Emma Fowle from Premier Christianity magazine to discuss Ali's very public conversion and unpack the different responses from different corners of the church. Well, thanks so much, Emma and Andy, for joining us on the podcast. Um, Emma from Premier Christianity, been here many times. Andy, uh, do you want to quickly explain who you are for those who haven't come across you before? Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm Andy Bannister, and I direct uh, an organisation called Solas. So uh, we are an evangelism and an evangelism training ministry, Tim. So we spend half our time uh, outside the church um, doing uh, outreach events in places like cafes, pubs, workplaces, curry houses, universities, schools, you name it, and the other half teaching and training and equipping Christians how to share their faith uh, in winsome, persuasive ways with their friends and lots of digital stuff too. So you can find me online in various forms. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Um, uh, you wrote a really interesting piece for Premier Christianity all about the conversion of Ayan Hirsi Ali. I apologise if I'm mangling the pronunciation of her name. Um, before we get onto that, just for those who may, maybe haven't come across Ali at all before, could you give us a kind of potted history of who she is and and um, why she's an interesting person. Yeah, so let's. Uh, I love the. Uh, I love the. I struggle with her name too. So let's give Ali's easier, isn't yeah. it? We can't. We, we can't get that one wrong. So, so yeah. So um, she's an interesting, interesting character. I first came across her when she was in her, uh, when she was known a few years ago as a very high-profile atheist, very fiery atheist, uh, public critic of, of Islam, and she's a former Muslim too. But if you go back through her bio, um, Tim, it's interesting. So she was raised in a Muslim context born in somalia uh grew up in in nairobi um in africa with a muslim family um was sort of batting along through her teenage years sort of being a sort of you know fairly kind of typical kind of muslim of her of her context but then what happened is she ran across the muslim brotherhood so that's a sort of well-known uh islamist uh, radical muslim organization that's active across the uh the world banned in several, quite a few muslim countries actually but uh they came into her community and really, in, in essence, they radicalized her uh, until that point. Uh, she'd really sort of been not nominal, but um, but just a sort of, a, you know, I suppose run of the mill Muslim. And then suddenly uh, they set her fire, uh, her faith on, on fire. 
and they gave her a purpose, a real sense of direction, uh, a real sense of, uh, you know, for her, of the world being divided into those who are Muslim and those who aren't. And that Muslims, your, as a Muslim, your job is to convert people passionately and also um, vociferously attack your enemies. And high on that list of enemies were the Jews. So uh, she was sort of uh, sort of baptized into this sort of anti-Semitic stream that runs through uh, radical Islam. And so it was until uh, until the late 1990s, uh, when some of this began to sort of began to slowly unravel. I think she began to sort of just ask a few questions about where she was going in life. But then everything changed uh, with 2001, because 2001, we had the Twin Towers attacks. And as she puts it in her article, when she denounced her, her conversion, few weeks ago she put it she watched you know fellow muslims celebrating 9-11 that blew the lid off everything because everything in her said this was utterly wrong and horrific and so she began to question everything and as she questioned everything she came across of all people bertrand russell very well known uh atheist uh right uh philosopher in the 20th century i mean fascinating character uh himself russell's name was really made uh by uh an essay uh he wrote well a public lecture he gave them an essay called why i'm not a christian uh, but that really attacks faith in God in general, actually, not just Christianity in particular. So she took that to its logical conclusion and abandoned uh, Islam, uh, walked away from Islam um, and became a vociferous critic of Islam. Got all kinds of threats uh, for that. I mean, quite a brave uh, stand. She took on a number of issues, particularly get, she gets involved in uh, fighting for women's rights and, uh, and injustice and violence against women. And Islam, and it's quite outspoken in doing that. And uh, the one where she, I think, very first came onto my radar uh, was she worked on a film called Submission uh, with a, a Dutch film uh, director uh, and uh, called Theo van Gogh. Uh, he collaborated with her on that movie Submission. He was actually murdered uh, by an Islamist for his role in making that that movie. He was, uh, I think, he was shot and then beheaded and then they stabbed him and on his corpse they stabbed a, a death threat a letter uh threatening uh Ion's life um so she spent a lot of a lot of time in hiding having to have police protection um so then she begins hanging out with the likes of Richard Dawkins and Chris Hitchens the new atheist she becomes effectively a, a new atheist and is very critical of religion in general Islam in particular and that's where we thought she was and then she stunned the world um, by, uh, I think it was a week before last, I've lost the dates now when, when this came out, week before last, a couple of weeks ago, um, comes out with this essay, uh, initially in Unheard, uh, the online um, political magazine, uh, and has since written a similar piece for The Times, going a bit deeper, uh, where she's announced that I am now a Christian. And uh, her reasons for that twofold, we're obviously going to dig into this. Firstly, um, this real sense that the West is in utter crisis and all the things that she loves in the West, freedom of speech, and freedom of, of conscience, freedom of belief, uh, and all the values that we built upon that are profoundly Christian ones. Uh, secularism can't ground those, and Islam certainly can't. But then actually, and this came out more in the Times piece, uh, she's gone into this, as well as a longer form interview she did for Unheard. I think this deep sense that atheism offers nothing existentially, this this void, this absence of meaning and purpose. And I think I say it's in the Times piece where she describes you know, having this conversation with her therapist, who says to her, you know, you are you are on a spiritual search, Ion. You are looking for meaning, and life is what you need something to do that. And then she'd seen other friends and other intellectuals that she recommends. She uh, admired Tom Holland, um, the uh, the historian, formerly an atheist, now now I think a Christian, or if not, incredibly close to being a being a Christian, um, being big influence on her. And so yeah, she's announced that she's become uh, she's become a Christian. But as you read that essay, I think really 
are we talking Christian? Are we talking theist? Where are we? There's a conversation we're going to have. Hmm. So anyway, is that enough of a potted? That's perfect. Diet? Thanks yeah, so much like for bringing this. us up to speed, Andy. That's really helpful. Um, Emma, when you read her essay, Why I'm Now a Christian, what, what did you think? What was your res- initial response? Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because Andy's obviously going to come out from the very theological, uh, intellectual level and I'm going to go for the <laughs> pop culture angle. And, uh... <laughs> I'll do both, Emma, but you can go for it. <laughs> and just, I mean, you know, being being brutally honest, I, I'd never heard of this lady before. Um, actually, she spoke at um, the ARC conference a couple of weeks ago in London and that was because another of our journalists covered that conference and um, name-checked her in a piece without saying that she was actually a Christian she kind of you know she referred to Ali um, saying that she was a prominent atheist who was now reconsidering where she stood on issues due to her warmness towards Judeo-Christian values which we've heard from a lot of the other speakers at that art conference as well including Jordan Peterson and the other people we've, we've talked about these people who sit in this gap of kind of maybe not being you know out and out I'm a Christian I follow Jesus I've accepted him as my lord and saviour but people who sort of say um, there are lots of values within this system that I resonate with. And, and I, I think the sort of the thing that I'm interested in is how as Christians or, or just as people, we respond to those claims. And, and sometimes, you know, some of the things we've been discussing in the office and, and Tim and I were discussing by email before we did this was, well, how do, how do, what is the appropriate response to that as a Christian? Should we even be sitting here dissecting someone else's faith journey or should we just be saying, hooray, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and what does that look like and how and how do we communicate that well and, and where do we sort of fall into um a really bad witness actually if if we don't do it well because that's the thing that really concerns me actually is at what point does hmm. does any criticism of somebody else's faith journey to someone who doesn't believe particularly already themselves become a really negative thing hmm. it's fascinating to me because i um i saw people sharing the uh, the headline in the article and saying, you've got to read this. Lots of Christians on, online saying, this is amazing. This is astonishing. This is remarkable. And so when I came to read it, I was kind of preparing myself for this kind of like miraculous move of God and this hardline atheist. And maybe that is that. But what struck me reading it was there's just no mention of Jesus. There's no mention of the gospel, of the cross, or barely of the Bible. There's no mention of and I don't want to be gatekeepy and say, you know, if you, your, your, you know, your conversion has to look like X, Y, and Z, but it is striking to me that all the reasons, in her own words, she gives of becoming a Christian all appear to be about the kind of societal, cultural, political associations with the faith, and much less about the actual kind of core spirituality. Is, is that fair, Andy? Mm. Well, I've got so, there's so much I could say because I sort of agree with I agree with all of you. I'm not going to you know I'm not going to go all, all, all theological. And you might I mean my article I, I hope you know because obviously you know Premier being a, a, a leaning theological journal, um, <laughs> I tried to draw some of the threads together. So I'm, I'm interested in a couple of things. The pop culture thing's interesting because I'm interested in there are big moves in culture. I see that on I see that in in the sort of media culture. I see that on universities where I am all the time. Of going the, the, the culture's changing. Much more people are open to. Why we need something that addresses the spiritual question. So that she's part of a bigger trend. First thing. Second thing, I love the way you said we shouldn't dissect people's conversions. All of our conversions are messy. My word, I don't know about yours. Mine was, mine was was messy. I was, you know, I I was raised in a Christian home and went to church. But I, you know, went forward at a youth rally, aged about thirteen, fourteen, at a youth event. But up until that point, you know, what drew me in? It was friendships drew me in. It was tradition drew me in. All kinds of sort of things there. And if you'd grabbed me just after I'd responded to Christ. 
yes, there'd have been more Jesus in it. Absolutely, there would have been, but it would have been half articulated and, and not precise. Is the, is the first thing. Second thing I think is 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 important here is that we've I got concerned with seeing Christians go two ways on social media. One was people going, "Wow, this is amazing celebrity conversion." I hate those. I agree with you. I don't think it is at all helpful for for anybody. But then also Christians going the other way and just bashing around the head. Oh, she hasn't said this. She hasn't said the other. It's just like, just shut up. Give her some space <laughs> and some time. My prayer, as I put in my article for her, she's got good Christians around her. She needs people now to come alongside her and go, this is a great start. This is a great step, but it's only the beginning of the journey. And that there's the reason why I encourage people to go read that piece I wrote for the magazine, for, for Premier, uh, the website, was I was struck by C.S. Lewis you know, who we have sanctified as Christians to go, <laughs> my St. Louis of Oxford, and to go, we forget that, you know, he comes to faith initially through very similar routes. All the things he loved, art, music, culture, literature, he realised atheism didn't couldn't provide a foundation for. So he comes to reluctantly believe in God. When he becomes a, a believer, right, he writes that famous line in his journal, I bowed the knee, that night, that night I bowed the knee, and admitted that God was God and became on at that moment the most reluctant convert in the whole of England. That is not full-blooded Christian faith. Jesus is not mentioned, Christianity is not mentioned, uh, the gospel is not mentioned, forgiveness, uh, you know, sin, etc., etc. Two years later, two whole years later, he has that famous walk uh, uh, by the by the River Cherwell with uh, with his mates, J.R.R. Tolkien, Hugo Dyson. They help him finally put the pieces together. And even then, he's not quite there. Then it's on a motorcycle ride with his brother, Warney, that finally everything falls into place. Two-year process. So there's a process in conversion for some people. So I'm with you completely. And I, for me, it's like, how do we encourage and support her and our friends too? Because we will have friends and colleagues and neighbours whose spiritual journeys may look a bit like this how do we help people in not make celebrity converts and also not push people forward before they're ready to be pushed forward hmm. yeah i think that's a really beautiful thing about you know how gracious is god that he gives us all these complicated and different conversion stories because yeah. actually that is the thing that speaks to humankind isn't it there's millions of billions of people on the planet and all of us are different and you know my dad has a very very miraculous damascus road conversion he was an ex-drug addict um, really really sort of startling story and when my husband first um when i first met him and we were talking about that he he, he read my dad's book and, and i remember him saying to me but can i become a christian because my my life doesn't look like that like i've never done anything that bad you know and there was almost this barrier because he couldn't relate to that type of story and so I just think it's so beautiful that that God bring, draws us all to him in different ways because whatever our story is and whatever our journey is someone else somewhere who may be a couple of steps behind us can look at that and say oh I can relate to that whereas someone else mm -hmm. might not and there'll be people who can relate to my dad's story and there'll be people who can relate to C.S. Lewis story and there'll be people who can relate to Ali's story and mm -hmm. and that's gorgeous and beautiful and I think that's amazing I think the one thing that really stood out for me in her piece that she wrote for Unheard right at the end she said um this beautiful little line she said I've still got a great deal to learn and I discover a little more at church each Sunday and I just thought oh wow I'm so glad like that she's you know in a Christian community that she's starting to attend even if it's you know like regularly yeah. and, and for me that's I think that's a beautifully mm. healthy place. And um, yeah, like Andy, I'll be praying yeah. that she, she carries on with that journey and yeah. has other good Christians around with her that she can, you know, continue with. Yeah, on that last line, just by the way, Emma, I, likewise with you, I, I, I that moved me almost to tears actually because I was like, that is beautiful because the humility there, 
if she said oh, I've got it sorted, I now know what I, I I'd be very very worried. Um, so I think yeah, she's a fiery. She's she, and also when you know her bio, this is not somebody who just leaps. Um, you know, her, her journey out of Islam was a was a was a two. I mean, two thousand one nine eleven like was the was the was the was the tipping point. But there'd been a point before then. So I think there's a lot of thought that's gone. It takes a lot of courage as well. Um, but then I think the other thing that it raises for me as an evangelist, I guess, is how do we build Christian communities where folks like this are, are, are welcome? How do we ensure that our churches, I'm saying this to churches all the time when I train on evangelism, is our churches need to be places where questions are welcome, where someone can come through the door and they can be in some messy part of the journey. Um, and we're like, come on in. Absolutely. We're not going to throw you into leadership, obviously, because you're not there yet. But but going, come on in. And I think the more we can do that, and that's why I love things like Christianity Explored and Alpha and all those things where they create those spaces while they work well and god has used them is i think creating space you know and i'm reminded of jesus right you never turned away an honest questioner seek and you will find ask and the door will be opened unto you etc i think um that that feels like those fingerprints are all over this premier christian newscast premier christian newscast You guys are both being incredibly warm, gracious, and wise. So I think it falls upon me to play devil's God, advocate Tim. just one more time. Um, putting aside Ali and her own personal journey, which, as you say, you know, we don't want to make windows into people's souls and try and decide who's in and who's out. And that's incredibly unchristian. But mm-hmm. there's clearly a, a growing movement of people who you might describe as loosely on the kind of political right in various ways, who are seemingly increasingly attracted towards Christianity. Um, of which she is one of them, mm-hmm. is that any cause for concern, those of us in the church, that that Christianity seems to be becoming attractive, again, not for its, uh, because of the truth mm. of its of its kind of radical claims about who Jesus is, but because it appears to be oh. kind of buttressing existing political convictions around, you know, the civilizational benefits, protecting the West against, <clears throat> whether it's wokery on one side or, or radical Islam on the other, should we be concerned yeah. that Christianity is becoming a kind of political crutch in the culture war oh good question let i i, I can say something just to, let's, let, let's get some spark into it then everyone can calm us down okay first thing to me i was gonna be naughty i would say i i do i think to some degree i i think terms right and left are increasingly bonkers in our society. i don't work politics is so bonkers i mean i'm traditional center left you know i my first i was a member of the labor party when blair came into power i got swept up and all that's wonderful I, I feel that the Labour Party has now abandoned me. And I know lots of friends like that. And I think in this movement, you've got folks like this. I mean, he's nowhere, they're nowhere near where, you know, say Douglas Murray or, uh, you know, the, or even a Jordan Peterson. Are. But I, you know, I, I find it interesting that when I go and read things like Spiked, which, you know, that, that magazine online, that grew out of living Marxism. I mean, that is pretty <laughs> hardcore old school left. They got Frank Faridi writing for them and other stuff, you know, old style lefties. Um, and you listen to some of that language, you go, okay, Brendan O'Neill is not there yet. But um, so go, there was a wonderful podcast the other year when I, when I heard Melanie Phillips kind of drag him over the coals on, you know, where he was getting his foundations from. I was like, okay, that's another one that I think is going to topple before too long. So that I think left, right, don't make that much sense. We need to be careful of that as Christians. But your point still stands of going, what happens when, you know, as someone just embracing the Christian faith because it supports their position? I think two things I would say here. As the church, let's be careful that we try and stay apolitical, 
but we don't run away from politics. We can't stay away from the big issues facing our culture today. I, I, I used to think we can, and then I've realised that we can't. So I, I run a podcast on the side. It's not the so last one. I do a thing called Pod of the Gaps, where every two to three weeks we you know, bat around faith and culture and theology and politics stuff. And the number of people have emailed me going, it's great to have Christians trying to wrestle through some of this, even though they make mistakes along the way. So let's not stay away from the big issues, but let's not get tied to one political bandwagon you've seen what's happened in american christianity where that's happened um quite frankly if what draws people in maybe it's the evangelist in me coming i don't care what first port draws people <laughs> quite frankly i don't care what it is um if people get drawn in that way and i think there's a very powerful apologetic actually that we can build that says these things that you value they're good things freedom and meaning and beauty and truth let's expand it out slightly um because i think often it's the political goods but we can like c.s lewis we can expand it into the arts and aesthetics like Roger Scruton, I think, was on that journey before he died. Um, and then we can gently say to people, where do those things fit? Where do those things fit best? Um, that's a very powerful and winsome way, I think, of drawing people into the gospel. But then I think that we need as then as the church to be unafraid of adding the missing piece. And the unafraid piece is interesting. I'll just make this point and I'll hand over to, to, to Emma because I'd love to get your perspective. I was very struck by on premiere. And I would say this if I was on another channel too. So it's not just because I'm on premiere. I was, there was a fascinating interview that was done. Oh, it was on unbelievable two, three years ago. They had, they had, uh, you had NT Wright and, and Douglas Murray that Justin Briley had there. A really interesting conversation. And what I found fascinating is NT Wright kept bringing in Jesus and the cross. It's brilliant. But every time he did, he apologized. He was, oh, I'm sorry, Doug, I just, Douglas, I just need to mention, and he'd bring Jesus. And Douglas stopped the, conversation halfway through and tom you have to stop apologizing you anglicans keep you should be talking <laughs> about jesus that's why you're an anglican clergyman it's why and, and i was like that is interesting that we always feel we have to apologize uh, and even someone with all of the intellectual chops that nt wright has was feeling he had to i think we need to be unapologetic and go you've what you've seen is good like paul does in Acts 17 it's great you guys are so religious it's great you're drawn to these things but let us now tell you what makes sense because the wonderful news of the gospel is all those things are are true you can have the values of christianity but you also have the beauty of having jesus who can forgive your failures because all of us fail to live up to our values and aspirations if all we have is values and aspirations we will fail and what our culture also needs is forgiveness is the other virtue we need to talk about that is at the heart of the gospel so let's unapologetically welcome people and then add the extra bit without apologizing Sorry, Tom Wright. I do love you. <laughs> Follow that, Emma. I would, I would absolutely one hundred and ten percent agree. I like, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I'm like, whatever draws someone into a conversation that we can use to talk about Jesus, I'm all for it. And it is interesting because I do, I do feel like it is a cultural moment. You know, the um, Justin Briley's new book. Um, the surprisingly bad for belief in God, you know, is, is all about that. Is this the moment? Is this the moment where, you know, people like Ali are starting to question the claims of atheism, which were so like prominent te only 10 years ago? And if there is a point at which um, things in society or politics or the world at large cause people to stop, you know, because let's face it, quite often as, as Christians, we are having to defend our position, especially when it comes to ethical and conservative issues around sexuality or gender or uh, abortion, all those things, you know, because we're, we're so often being accused of, of being the ones that are small minded and, and oh, this, this is we can't possibly get behind this 
you know when there is an opportunity to to use the conversation to say actually there are some things about christianity for which the world should be really really grateful these are really great things and this is where they come from let's you know let's open that conversation out like Andy said to talk about Jesus to talk about forgiveness to talk about things the next step along that journey then I'm a hundred percent there and I think that's an absolutely phenomenal thing and I just want to pray for more of it quite frankly that you'll see more and more people starting to say oh okay the things I thought were going to answer the questions in Mm. my soul (laughs) surprise surprise don't quite answer the questions in my soul Hmm. And we can carry on with that, but but we know someone who can, and that's great. But just going back to the point Andy made earlier about making sure that as Christians and as churches, we are ready to welcome those people in and to have those conversations. I think that is going to be a massive challenge hmm. because, you know, if we start, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own little church. Um, if we start having, you know, people like Ali come through the door who are deeply clever been entrenched in something like atheism for years who come from a muslim background who have a ton of questions like do do we generally like honestly if we if we reflect honestly are we set up to have those honest conversations and to answer those questions because i think that is going to be the next thing um for our young people for the Mm. questions they're asking on social media are we prepared to have those conversations in a way that are open that are honest that really get to the root of of where they're coming from and what they're Mm. trying to find so you know i think there is a piece of work to be done for most of us it's not a time to sit back and be like oh i know what i believe like how do we have those conversations how do we have them well yeah just one thought one footnote to add to that and then be great for tim's trying to stir things up again it was really interesting the way way, i love the way that god often for me brings threads together so i was um you mentioned justin's um book which i think i think we're all on commission aren't we because we're all sort of getting (laughs) um i'm Another great book I was reading on the plane last night. I was flying back from doing some ministry in, in Aberdeen. There's a wonderful book coming out recently called uh, Atheists Finding God uh, by uh, by Jana Harmon. And uh, basically that's a, a book out of her PhD thesis when she, she deep into, goes deeply interviews 50 atheists who come to faith in the last few years, exploring you know why they were atheists and how they came through. I, one stat that struck me in there, she talked about the... You know, folks who come to faith through through you know, their, their intellectual foundations for atheism being shaken and the existential foundations being shaken, realizing that atheism doesn't meet those needs. And it, the latter far outweigh the former. So that so this, again, it reinforces that even, uh, you know, there's the Ali end, the, 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 the intellectuals. This is just ordinary men and women for whom pro- I think it was something like 46 percent from memory, something like that of their interviewees. It was that crisis of realizing that that atheism didn't meet the intellectual needs that was the start and again she's very clear that's not the end but that's the she's she's trying to analyze where's the tipping point on that journeyism journey of atheism so again everything that you say is absolutely right about how particularly in smaller churches we help people with that but i think it's really interesting that we can all as christians show what it means to live lives of hope and to be places where there's love and compassion and community we can demonstrate those values even if some of us someone asks well, what about them we go well, i can't give you that kind of answer i'm not wired that way uh, you know go read justin briley or you know go read bannister or glenn scrivener or you know somebody but um but i think but I think we can be communities where we where we reflect those values that tell people there's a different story here. Hmm. And I think when you, it's easy to get caught up in these individual stories, which can be exciting or perturbing or concerning or anything mm. else. But actually, when you try and zoom out and look at the long view, I think about 20 years ago when I was, you know, as a young teenager, making sense of my own faith and the culture I lived in, 
it was the the early days of the new atheism and, and the idea that Christianity would be seen as kind of like intellectually credible by heavyweight, intelligent, like public figures was laughable. It was absurd. The idea that the little evangelical faith that I, that you know, it was obvious that we were a tiny little bubble, a little remnant hiding in the society. And, and you know, and that was when, I, you know, when I was involved in, in kind of evangelism at church or at university, you know, it, it mostly fell on very stony ground. There wasn't much mm. of an interest. People weren't asking questions that we were offering answers to. And I hear from people like you, Andy, from others working mm. in universities now that actually there is a growing spiritual hunger yeah. in that. <clears throat> it is intellectually credible to say that I have found answers to life's biggest questions in this 2,000-year-old faith in a way that it just wasn't 20 years ago when it was like, well, of course, no intelligent, thoughtful Western person would ever end their journey by believing this stupid Christianity thing that's been around so long. It was all about what's new. Mm. And that was atheism. And that was various other things. And so I think it is fascinating and encouraging and exciting that actually, you know, people aren't laughing at Ali's. They are dissecting and discussing, but it's not laughable. The idea that someone who is intelligent and thoughtful and politically engaged would end her journey at Christianity. Yeah. And I think the other thing that interests me about her story to sort of swing it back to her is that also she's, I find people fascinating who've walked through different positions, but that she's, she's, she's done Islam and she's gone deep. I mean, you know, Muslim Brotherhood, I mean, they were very text based. She wasn't just some airy fairy kind of person who hadn't really thought their faith through. I mean, she was really into the, into the depths of her traditions you know, walks away from that. Then atheism, and again, not just a disbelief in God. I mean, she's deeply into the new atheist movement. You know, she's up there with with Dawkins and Hitchens and all the rest speaking at events and, and just, you know, going for religion with both barrels. If you read her book, Infidel, I mean, it, it, Islam is, is, in the, is, is, in the, is in the crosshairs, but, you know, theism in general. Um, and then comes through to Christianity. So for someone who's actually thought it through, I've got another, another, another friend of, of mine, um, uh, who uh, Ellis Potter, who wrote a book called Three Theories of Everything, and Ellis is fascinating because he you know, he was Buddhist, he was a Buddhist monk, and then an atheist, and then a Christian. I think it was that way around. It was it was atheist, Buddhist, and then, and I find people like him story that is a fascinating story because he's really gone through the worldviews and gone Christianity and Jesus and, and faith makes the most sense of of reality. So I think there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of that uh, that that going on. I think. I think just to say on the university piece too, yeah, I just want to encourage people. I think I think don't assume, I always say this to churches too, don't assume that it's this great hostile secular world out there. There is still people who are hostile to faith, but there's a lot more openness to spirituality, I think, if we can learn to have those 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 conversations, to listen well, to ask to ask good questions. Um yeah, it's it's we need to be encouraged. There's work to be done, um, but also into encouraging times. And Emmy, you mentioned that, you know, Ali is not the only kind of famous person to have publicly announced their faith in recent years. You want to talk about, is it Kat Von D, the person you come across who, who's kind of working out her own conversion story as a kind of influencer in, in, in the yeah. public eye? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, f- uh, uh, probably about a month or so ago now. She's probably not quite so well known to British audiences, but Kat Von D um, is a musician and a uh, influencer and a tattoo artist in the States mm-hmm. um, who came to um, prominence on one of those reality TV shows. I think it was um, LA Inc. or something like that. Uh, she's also very goth in the, like, her appearance and was very into New Age stuff. Um, she's actually the daughter of missionary parents. So she was brought up in the Christian environment, but sort of went quite mm-hmm. a long way away from it. And early teens addictions all sorts of things talks about this long journey back to faith she was baptized a few weeks ago and and um posted the video on her socials and um has 
you know, like like many celebs that come to faith, Ollie London's probably another one, the trans guy who became a Christian um, a little while ago. You know, you get a lot of support, but then there's also these vitriolic com- um, comments and, and people mm-hmm. questioning the validity of her conversion, her baptism, all these sorts of things. And I was listening to her speak um, on a podcast in the States uh, last week, and she said basically that her journey back to faith was alongside her husband's sort of interest in faith and he was not raised a christian and and has not mm-hmm. made a sort of a formal conversion yet but although he attends church with her every week but she was basically saying the negativity of the comments from the christian community have wow. been hugely damaging yep. to her husband's journey towards christ and she and she also raised the very valid point she said i have a lot of followers most of my followers are not christians and they're reading this stuff and she said that just breaks my heart because they are sort of saying well like why are these christians you know if, if christianity is so brilliant why are all these christians giving you a hard time sort of thing and um and that was just the thing that really struck me you know with, with, when you get people in the public eye like like andy said it's very hard it's very easy for christians to either jump too hard on the bandwagon because we're all overexcited because someone famous has said something nice about faith or we you know, start pulling their faith apart and and actually we have to be really careful especially with yeah. big followings or you know remember they're humans they're family who might not believe in jesus yet and our mm. witness to them is important as well yeah do you know this is this is not a new phenomena is it Emma? i'm struck by because you know tim gave his age away there as being some young when he said like 20 years ago and i was a teenager you whippersnapper <laughs> um okay you know the whole u2 thing because i was a big u2 fan growing up and of course you know bono has been on an interesting journey and i remember that's when i first came across this going clearly i, I think as a christian but clearly has lots of questions and as as wobbles and things and that tendency of when he's on form christians would like champion him from the rooftops and when he says something crass that it's like you know suddenly everyone piles in and i mean two thoughts one occurred to me there one is of course um you know, imagine if our own faith journeys were like that. Imagine if every step on your own walk with Christ was every time you did something right, it was all over the newspapers and the whole nation is reading it. And every time you've messed up and done something, you know, Bannister insults wife at breakfast table again. <laughs> it's all over the, you know, the headlines. I knew today. he was I never really a Christian after all that Bannister. I'm a Christian, he drinks Yorkshire tea. Um, or something. I mean, to go, how... I, that that terrifies me, actually. And, and so I think, yeah, interesting. For people who are in the public eye, because that's their job, we should think twice. But then the other thing, you know, that, that I'm always looking for, where are, where are our behaviours as Christians? Where are they? We need to ask ourselves some challenging questions. And I think I worry slightly that the both the tendency to attack someone like Ali and the tendency to elevate someone like Ali both actually point the finger back at us. So if we, some, some of us fall into the trap of going, we're so unsure in our own faith, we need validation of celebrities. So some celebrity says something nice be it a former Muslim, new atheist, for, you know, a, a tattoo artist with a massive following and social. Great, somebody famous believes what I do. I feel more justified. That is clearly wrong on 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 so many levels. Um, on the other hand, the tendency to attack. I think some of us are so some of our faith, some of us in our community, our faith is so rigid. Uh, and so sort of brittle that we need to theologically police the margins. Otherwise, somehow we feel insecure about our walk in Christ. So actually, whether you're attacking and throwing bricks or whether you're just, you know, waving flags and streamers, always interesting to ask the question, you know, what's going on? Maybe a better model for Christians might be on all of these people. If you must say something on social media, why not just message them and go praying for you and leave it at that? Just leave it as that. 
you'll have you'll have encouraged the person, whether it's a cat or it's a, or it's an ion, they'll go, Oh great, someone said something nice. You haven't signaled whether you're for or against, and you can never go wrong with praying for somebody. So maybe we should think twice about either attacking or celebrating. Yeah, I, I guess the only th- sort of slight area I'd push back on there is a sort Brilliant. of... Brilliant. You know... We've got, dis- we got a disagreement, Tim. We got there. <laughs> we got there. It's 35 minutes, but there's a disagreement coming. Go on. I just, I just, especially for our young people, you know, like I just think it's so um, such an amazing encouragement for them when they do see celebrities talking yeah. about their faith. And, you know, knowing how hard it is to grow up as a Christian in the world that that's my only pushback is i can't yeah i, get, I, I get like that no that's good that's good you that's don't want to platform pushback. people you don't want to celebrate yeah. them sort of and create something unreal but at the same well, time you know yeah. i interviewed i always think i interviewed a guy um last year reese stevenson his name is is a cbbc presenter and he was on strictly and he's a christian and i interviewed him for the mag he was like the most gorgeous human being and um, he talked about going to church in manchester and how this man came up to him and said you know i'm so sorry to bother you in church but would you mind like if i brought my kids over they're so excited you're here something and he said of course not i absolutely like if i could he said for me when i was a kid at school being a christian was so uncool and so hard that if there was ever any way i could encourage another kid to say it's all right <laughs> like you know there's some people out there like you i'm 100 percent there so mm. that, that's that's my yeah. only sort of slight is like I, you know I, that's what i like well yeah well let me push back on, well push back on one well, no, oh, not push back on the pushback just to reflect <laughs> I, think, no, I think you're right and i but I, what i like about that story is that isn't him standing on a stage and Christian magazines putting him on the cover and all of that stuff that's him going to church like he should do following christ like he should do and someone has come up and gone Hey, are you so and so? Would you would you would you mind? And he's he's done it quietly and encouraged them and, and stuff. I think that's fantastic because that's a good use of stuff. And I think and I think that's a great question for anyone who's got you know Christian celebrities in their churches. How do you help them use the gifts that Christ has given them for His glory while avoiding the platforming thing that all comes with it? The the the, the, the like pushback on the pushback would be. There's a much bigger question. This is great because I could open a right rabbit trail here that we don't have time to go down. The whole social media age, because you mentioned ARC, the conference of the weekend. And one of the big talks there that I really impressed me was Jonathan Haidt's piece on social media, because that's an issue I've been tracking with. Um, I think that we need to be getting young people off and away from Instagram and TikTok and those technologies as far as possible. They are absolutely devastating. And the problem is if you live your life in that bubble, you can feel that I, I need to see my worldview validated among the influencers and the whatever, rather than the model we're trying to take with our, with our kids is going, not being naive of the culture we live in, but going, how do we help you see that your faith is part of a global church? How do we get you plugged into, you know, the little Anglican church that you attend is part of a community of billions with Christians in every country. How do we help you appreciate the men and women in the past, that great cloud of witnesses that you stand in a line of? Because survey after survey has shown that actually the more that you can get young people to realize that their faith is part of a global faith and is much bigger, discipleship becomes easier. If you think it is just you, and the four walls of your church and your three other friends at school who happen to be Christian in a school of 1500, it is tough. And you're right. So that's where, you know, the, the you know, it's famous Christians can help. But I think we can also really help with global Christianity. And, uh, and you know, there's all great organizations like Open Doors and stuff that will plug you into what God is doing around the world. So let's not just plug people in through social media, because that brings a lot of other problems. Let's also plug our young people and young Christians into what God is doing historically and chronologically and globally, because it gets exciting, really exciting. Yeah. 
That sounds like a deeply fascinating conversation, Andy. We could talk about We can't. <laughs> That's a whole other episode right there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you guys back on for part two. I mean, I was just reflecting just briefly as we close. You're absolutely right, Emma, that like young Christians, and I remember my own mm. apparently far too recent teenage years as a mm. Christian where, you know, it was, it was you kind of obsessed with, with, the, with the kind of youth leaders and the people who were about in the early 20s, you know, about 10 years older. They were cool and they were like, it was so encouraging to see you could be cool and normal and funny and also kind of passionately be living your life for Jesus. And that was quite influential, but it's a double-edged sword, as we've learned tragically through the Mike Pilavachi scandal, that we don't you want to have role models that encourage young Christians, but then almost for them to grow out of their role models, because if they put too much weight in the role models, then, you know, we discover that they always have feet of clay and disappoint us. And so you can't have a mm. faith that is built on role models, but how do we use them in a kind of useful, encouraging, helpful way and just kind of thread Great that stuff. needle, not, not above my pay grade, but um, yeah. Great yeah. conversation to have, nonetheless. A final thought. I'm Andy. also interested that you're very humble, Tim, because because Emma referred to this CBC presenter as being the most gorgeous human being, and there's there's you, and you're one of her <laughs> colleagues, and you're young and everything. Oh, sorry, gorgeous you know, human being. You don't meet that criteria for stop gorgeous it. human being. So stop you know, it. I'll, I I'll send humility. you your tenor in the post. All right, Andy, stop <laughs> it. Very good of you. Um, well, before this degenerates any further, let's draw our conversation to a close. Thanks very much, Andy and Emma. It's been really fascinating digging through this topic with you. We could have talked for a lot longer, I'm sure. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, bye-bye. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget, you can also subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get each new episode sent automatically to your phone or tablet week by week. If you've got any questions, feedback, or want to suggest a topic we should explore, you can email me at t-s-w-y-a-t-t at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast.